The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Plans and preparations for the 2023 season are underway for your Minnesota Twins. This is the show that catches up with players, staff, and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. The show is Inside Twins, the penultimate Inside Twins show of the year, and then it's go time from spring training. Chris Atterbury from our network headquarters here at Target Field. It's a little cold, a little icy here in the Twin Cities. Not the case in southwest Florida. The Lee County Sports Complex is buzzing. Pitchers and catchers reporting today. There'll be a formal workout here in uh, a little less than an hour, and we are very excited to be joined today by Griffin Jacks from the Lee County Sports Complex as he is the uh, guinea pig, testing out all the new interview facilities. Got the cool new branding there, the uh, Star M Revolution going on behind him. And Griffin, uh, thanks for joining us here on what is always a very exciting day for fans, for players, uh, in terms of report day. I want to start with a different report day. That's due day, because there's going to be a new Little Jacks in the world. Uh, you and your wife, Savannah, are welcoming your first child. What's what's the due date there? That's the real uh, reporting day that we're interested in. Yeah, we, uh, we didn't do so great with timing this one, so she's ended up being due, I think, March 26th as of right now, so cutting it a little bit close with uh, opening day, but we'll go from there. Opening day, a new member of the family. It couldn't get any better for uh, for you and Savannah, and we're very excited to welcome another Jacks uh, into the world. Uh, let's talk a little bit about report day. I, I know fans celebrate it, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes too, right, in terms of uh, just getting through logistics to, to get the season started. What is a typical report day like for, for you? Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of excitement, but um, it, it's kind of a hassle, um, unfortunately, with just trying to get – everything from back home uh to florida it's a lot of stress but you know at the end of the day we're showing up for a new season and there's just too much excitement to uh to not that let that be the emotion that takes over but um today we had all of our physicals and that can go anywhere from you know an hour or two um just checking in getting our blood work done the heart ekg um physicals with the the, uh, the pts the uh, the general um the, the doctor just making sure you know we didn't have any any scares over the off season so yeah he's kind of like a little checkup making sure we're ready to go and you are good to go and you'll be on the field here in about an hour last year at this time it was all about a transition to the bullpen a transition that you did an amazing job with and you just kept getting better as the season goes on this year now the challenge becomes okay bullpen guys are mercurial the hitters get a book on you you have to always stay ahead of the the opposition what has this offseason been like having a year in the pen under your belt preparing to be an even better version of yourself in 23 yeah it's um it, it's been a fun challenge you know the past off seasons like you mentioned i've been typically training to be a starter so my bullpens and my live sessions before heading down to florida have been a little bit longer so this year is different of course uh, i threw you know max 20 pitches on the mound uh, when i was facing hitters it was 15 to 20. Um, just making sure i was really good and strong and keeping stamina over those short stints of uh of pitching but um like you said i got used to it the role last year and had that um full year of knowledge under my belt so um it was it was a good productive offseason in that regard 
Now, part of your offseason, I know you went to driveline and did a lot of work. This is mostly an excuse to show pictures of your ink work uh, and you throwing topless uh, and trying to hit 100 miles an hour as we have some of that footage here. But what were you looking to accomplish with your work at driveline? Yeah, a lot of it was just going to get a good understanding of how my body moves, um, what I do well and what I don't do well. Um, you know, thankfully, I'm in a really good organization that prioritizes that data with the twins. Um, they do a great job of explaining that to us. But um, I just I wanted to get a third party assessment and just to see if there was something else that um, I was unaware of. Um, thankfully, both both data sources pretty much lined up and um, I knew what I had to work on uh, leaving leaving both sites. But, yeah, it was just a good offseason of kind of digging back down to the bare bones of, of who I am mechanically as a pitcher and what I do well and just attacking those weaknesses. Is that something you've always been fascinated by, wanting to know more, not just I know I can do it, but why and how? And was there anything that surprised you coming out of the with the, the sensor points and the data? Yeah, I, I think I generally have become more and more receptive to that information. Um, like I said, the twins do a fantastic job um, from a transparency aspect, of just laying down the groundwork of, of who we are as pitchers and how we need to build ourselves around. Um that kind of changed when this new front office came aboard. Um, they were very data heavy. Um, and it, at first, my first couple of years when, the, when it was introduced to the miners, it was kind of a firehose of information. And I didn't do the best job of accepting that information and using it to my, uh, my advantage. But um, I would say COVID is when I, when I really took a, a change in turn of um, appreciation for that data. And that's when I really started working towards, you know, what the twins want as me as a pitcher and what they prioritize. So. I was able to reevaluate, you know, what I did, what I need to change to make myself that better pitcher um, in their eyes. And you even changed during the course of last year. When you started out of the pen, it was Slider City. You mixed things in a little differently as the league got a, a longer look at you. There was also a change midseason in that Pete Mackey, who'd been with you in the bullpen, became the pitching coach when Wes left. How has a full off season with Pete at the helm uh, changed things in terms of even just simple communication between the two of you? Yeah, um, I think, well, for me, um, you know, I might not be the, the best equipped to answer that question because I've had that relationship with Pete. Pete was a minor league pitching coordinator my first couple of years in the minors, and then he was promoted to the bullpen pitching coach, and then he was promoted, like you said, to the head pitching coach. So I've built that relationship with Pete over the past couple of years, so I understand how to talk and how to communicate with him and how he, you know, likes to handle his day-to-day -day, um, um, relationships. Uh, it was a little bit of a uh, shock for some other guys, um, guys first year in the organization last year, just because it was somebody new. And a lot of these guys that have been around for a while, it takes a little bit of time for them to build that trust. But um, having an entire full off season with him dedicated as our you know, pitching coach moving forward, I think that's just going to strengthen those relationships and it should be no problem moving forward, smooth uh, ship sailing. I think you were the perfect guy to answer that question based on that long relationship that you had with him. One thing that you did remarkably well last year is your home run rate came way down. Uh, and I don't know if that was just execution, if that was usage. Justin Morneau used to talk about always trying to get better at one specific thing every offseason. You obviously did that last year, among other things. Is there one specific thing you're looking to improve on this season? Yeah, um, you know, and I don't really have the numbers to back this up off the top of my head, but I know that with my pitch selection and my repertoire being, you know, a slider heavy approach, I, I do a pretty good job against right handed hitters. Um, I saw some good success with that slider against lefties last year, but um, it just, you know, it's a different look for a different side of the plate hitting against me. So 
Um, that was a big reason I went to driveline was to learn a new pitch um, and so that I could become an even you know bigger weapon against lefties where if there's a time in the game where you know we're kind of shorthanded you know maybe field bars already thrown and Moran's already thrown and we need somebody to go get a lefty out I want to be that guy so um, I definitely have readjusted my my pitch selection and a new pitch to help um, attack those hitters more successfully. So is, is this top secret? Do we have to just wait and watch you throw it, or what are you well, working on? The video's already out. It's a cutter. Uh, but, you know, with based on my my uh, repertoire as it is, I, it was just a pitch that made a lot of sense um, and one that I picked, on, picked up pretty quick. So excited to showcase it this spring and move forward with it um, during the season. Yeah, we'll look for some broken bats uh, from uh, some of those left-handed yeah, hitters. Right. Obviously, everyone's talking about the rule changes. Guys like Luis Garcia will have to change their deliveries. Kenley Jansen is another guy. They're focusing on box. Is that something you're going to have to worry about delivery-wise? And did you have pitch clock experience in your time in the minor leagues? So when when I was optioned out of camp last year, I pitched. I had one outing in St. Paul before getting recalled re- really quickly after that. I don't think they were um, – really implementing or uh, enforcing that pitch clock. So I can't say that I, it had a direct impact on on that game. But um, I talked to a lot of guys that were down in St. Paul throughout the year that ended up coming up and, you know, for, for some time throughout the season. And, you know, a lot of them said it, it is a big change, but it's one that you get pretty used to relatively quickly. They said the biggest difference is going to be the hitters. That's going to have the biggest problem with it. So I think for myself, someone who works, you know, generally quickly, um, I'll be okay. It's just kind of strange thinking about, you know, if I come into a, a tough situation, guys on base, less than two outs in scoring position in a one-run ball game, that's where, you know, as a pitcher in a high-leverage situation, you'd like a little bit more time to sit back and analyze the situation, maybe take a, a step off the mound and get a second breath. But, you know, we'll, we'll take it in strides, and, and we'll see how the spring training goes. Yeah, and those disengagements is what they're calling them. You know, you inherited the second most runners on the club. Just 19, the team does a great job of giving you clean sheets whenever possible. But I'm thinking that first and third situation, have I picked over? Do I want to pick over? I got a base running threat at first. I guess that's where we're going to see kind of the wheels spinning a little bit here in spring training with a chance to work through that. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, It's definitely going to be a challenge. I think I saw a stat last night on Twitter that, um, stolen base attempts in the minor leagues almost doubled um, from, you know, somewhere in the 2000s to somewhere in the 4000s and caught stealing um, number only uh, it actually decreased by four. So out of those 4000 stolen base attempts, only a thousand were, were caught stolen. So, yeah, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot more traffic and a lot more activity on the base paths for sure. Yeah, well, Christian Vasquez behind the plate isn't a bad option to have if there's going to be guys running a little bit. Griffin Jacks is our guest, welcoming him from the Lee County Sports Complex where they'll have a formal workout today. We're going to take a quick time out, come back, chat more with Griffin Jacks all across the twin social media platforms where you're joining us live today and also across our fine uh, network of affiliates right here on your home for Twins Baseball. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killerbrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made. Griffin Jacks joining us from the Lee County Sports Complex, the papa to be here in the uh, next month or so, and also getting set to begin what should be a big year for Griffin as a critical member of a Twins bullpen uh, and a team that has uh, designs on playing some big games this fall. Uh, Griffin, last year we did a segment uh, throughout the course of the year, and it was called Mystery Twin, where we'd ask you guys about your teammates, and then fans would have to call in and guess who we were talking about. We want to revisit our Griffin Jacks Mystery Twin to allow you a chance to kind of 
you know, way back against what maybe some of your teammates said. So listen closely here because here's what your longtime teammate and good buddy Bailey Ober had to say about you. He's a good guy. He's funny. He can. He, he likes the. If you talk smack to him, he's going to come right back at you. So he's this type of guy that has quick, quick replies. He's a good clubhouse guy. Um, really good teammate. Well, Mariner Moose was unavailable for comment, but that's what Bailey Ober had to say. Uh, is that a fair assessment of you? Are you uh, are you a, a crack up there in, in the dugout in the bullpen? Yeah, I like to mess around. I just with the with the severity of our job and how serious and stressful it can be at sometimes. I just like to be, you know, a jokester, keep it light around the players. It's just it's too hard to just be so serious and so formal all the time in our job that if, if you do that too often, I think that you just kind of spiral downhill. So I like to remind guys, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun. You know, you can make fun of me. I'm going to make fun of you. And it's just part of that clubhouse culture, you know. Do you think part of that came up with your experience at the academy where, where it's such a serious place and you guys are, are tasked with such a rigorous schedule? Uh, I think so. I mean, that's kind of a good point with, with – our, our curriculum there and just, you know, what we're expected to do as members of the military, it can be so straight edge. So, you know, line forward, no looking around that maybe in a sense that I got just tired of that. And when I came back to the baseball world, I was just ready to go the complete opposite uh, side of that. So maybe in one life with the military, I was super straight edge and serious. And then now that I'm back in the baseball life, it's, you know, time just to be um, just to be a joke and have fun. All right. Well, the next comment actually comes from you. Uh, and I'm going to circle back to an experience that we had in Cleveland afterwards, but uh, I hope nobody marching in front of you while you were in school at the academy uh, was slow because this is what you said about pet peeves. Do I have any pet peeves? I don't like people that walk very slow in front of me. So that played like a million times last year, and, and Corey Provis and Dan Glad, my partners, were obsessed with at some point slowly walking in front of you. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember the game in Cleveland. It was like that 15-inning heartbreaker that we lost when Danny decided that was the time that he was going to do it as we tried to cross a busy street and a Kid Cudi concert was emptying out towards us. And you were like, I don't remember ever saying that. And Danny was heartbroken. Uh, but I, I tried. I just want you to know, I told him that was not the right time to walk slowly in front of you. But But is there a story behind why that bothers you so much? I don't think there's a specific story. You know, it's just... It probably stems back from my time at the academy where we just always have a, t a place to be at a certain time. And, you know, you kind of have to walk with a purpose. So if there's somebody got in front of you or there was an obstacle, you know, just nerves build up and maybe you act, react emotionally to that. But I remember Dan doing that because I was on the phone with my wife and, you know, we were we were actually she just was letting me know that <laughs> she was pregnant at the time. And <laughs> Dan, uh, Dan stepped in front of me and I was, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on and all situations around me because I was, of course, so focused on the phone call that he did that. And I had to take a step back like, what is this guy doing? Which we do with Danny a lot. What is yeah. this guy doing? But the fact that you were on the phone with that particular call, because, uh, I, I mean, there were people everywhere coming from that concert, and it was a 15-inning marathon, and there was a lot of emotions, and then Danny decides to step out <laughs> on the curb right in front of you. That's a good way to fill in the blank on that. <laughs> One of our favorites came from Caleb Thielbar, and we've been waiting a long time to ask you about this comment. He doesn't like water. And that was an issue. Some of the stories behind that are very, very funny. Does not like water, plain water. He will drink water, but it has to have something in it. All right. First of all, the shot of you in the cold tub there with the phone was—I mean, you got to put that on a baseball card. Yeah. Uh, but 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 how did you get through the training and stuff without without water? 
Yeah, that's a great question. That was um, for as serious and hard mentally as it was, I think the hardest part for me, it wasn't the physical stuff. It wasn't the mental stuff. It was how I was structuring my day with how to survive without drinking like plain water. Um, I've, you know, my parents, it's driven me crazy. I, I've never understood why I can't drink it. I just don't like the taste of water. It's frustrating. <laughs> I've seen, you know, nutritionists. I've seen people that have tried to help, you know, bridge that gap on how to start drinking it. But uh, yeah, the hardest part wasn't basic. I would have to, you know, take some Gatorade and put it in my canteen. I would have to take throat lozenges that were flavored a certain way and put them in my Camelback and just sip like water throughout the day and just stay somewhat hydrated because I knew it was going to be a long day if I didn't drink, you know, any kind of liquid. So the explosion of like powders and things to mix has been great for you. I mean, oh, this yeah. has been a lifesaver for you. Yeah, I carry around this big like 64 ounce jug and I put a couple drops in there of some like electrolytes or some sort of flavoring in there. And, you know, I drink plenty of water. It's just not plain, pure water. Plain water. What about like bubbly water? No bubbly water? Yeah, and, that, and that's the weird thing. I like sparkling water. I like Pellegrino, you know, Topo Chico, and it just always gets a kick out of whoever I tell it to. So, it's, you know, it's funny. It is a remarkable story. All right, let's close it up, getting back again to your military service from Emilio Pagan. Yeah, so he, uh, when when at every stadium we go to, and, you know, they say stand up, they, all the veterans, and, and give them a hand and everything, and he takes his hat off, and he tells everybody in the bullpen, yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome, so... <laughs> how did that start uh, i you know we were just sitting in the bullpen i think we were in kansas city and it was um it was either memorial day or um the salute to service night either one of those and i wasn't even thinking you know we were just getting ready for the game the game hadn't started yet but they put the the big announcement on the speaker or on the jumbotron and on the concourse throughout the stadium and everybody's you know ushering me to stand up and you know take my hat off so i did as a joke and I don't think people around the bullpen uh, that were fans knew, you know, my background and my history. So, you know, they saw me stand up and were clapping and I, I just gave them a general, like, Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> I want to say one of your, uh, maybe Cedar Rapids, you'll have to correct me. I want to say it was your last game before you had to leave for your military service. So it was the middle of the year and it was either a 4th of July game or a, a Memorial day game. It was a, a big holiday and you pitched like an amazing game and walked off. There's a big ovation. Am I remembering that right from Cedar yeah, Rapids? Well, that's right. It was, uh, it was my last start um, in Cedar Rapids. I had a report to um, Cape Canaveral uh, air force station for my first duty assignment that year um, because there was that whole, you know, toss up between if, mm -hmm. I, if I'm going to be able to play versus serve. Um, so I, I was told a couple of weeks before that I would have to report that next day. So I told Tommy who, you know, our, uh, our third base coach now, um, he was our Cedar Rapids manager at the time. And he, he didn't tell me till after, but he said he wanted to give me a, you know, a standing ovation. So he took me out mid inning. Um, but I, I, if I remember, it was a pretty good game. It was, you know, somewhere six, seven innings, maybe a run or so, but, uh, I came off and that was the first time I had ever, you know, given a, a hat tip or something like that. But it was it was cool. It was special. I had my family there because they were traveling with me down to Florida later that night. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. Outstanding memory. We'll end on that one here in segment two. We've got one final segment where we'll take questions from you from all across our various twins social media platforms for Griffin Jacks. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Back after this on your home for Twins Baseball. 
It's our final segment here on Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created, legends are made. Going a bit early today because Griffin Jacks and his teammates, pitchers and catchers, formal workout today, number one on uh, the 2023 season is upon us. And Griffin, I get the first question, and then we'll hit the uh, the social media. Your dad is a, a wonderful guy to be around. He fills up a room when he follows you on the road. I don't think he knows any strangers because he can get in an elevator and be best friends by the time he's out of the elevator. He played in the NFL, so you grew up the son of a football player. Why baseball? When did that click that for you, baseball was the game that you loved? Um, I, I had a pretty good friend group growing up that we played all sports together. Um, and the, the main sport we played was travel baseball. Um, we played, you know, year round. We grew up in Arizona. Uh, one of my, my buddy's dad was the head coach. And there was about 12 of us that played together from, you know, age six or seven till we were um, through high school. So we just stayed together, you know, made it fun wanting to play with those guys. And um, we tried other sports. We played soccer, basketball, football. But, you know, baseball was the one we always kind of focused our year around. All right, there you have it. That's how it started for Griffin Jackson. The Twins and Twins fans are the beneficiaries. Let's hit uh, the social media world. This is from Beast Mode, Rocco. Uh, Mitch Garver said you're a good chef. What's your favorite dish to make? Uh, yeah, when I lived with Garve, I, um, he didn't make me pay rent, but I told him that I would, uh, <laughs> I, would, I would make his dinners for him that spring training. So my favorite, and I think his favorite too, was uh, this coconut curry on top of like salmon and rice with some broccoli that he loved, and it was my first time making it, but it's definitely in the rotation now. That sounds awesome. A little coconut curry there for the Garb sauce. So I had a few more questions, and then we're going to get you off to work. This is from Patterson. Uh, we saw the, you pitching there with the shirt off. Do you have a favorite of your uh, tattoos? Yeah. I. Um, it's kind of hard to say, show because I don't – I mean, I have my long sleeves on, but it's this uh, lion and lamb, spiritual guy, um, uh, religious background, but it's just, you know, uh, a memoir of, of uh, Jesus and, and God, the Father and the Son. So, When did you get your first one? I was 19. I think. 19. And how many now? Oh, man. Uh, well, I got my entire left arm done. I got half my right done, one of my chest, one of my back, and one of my ribs. All right. Well, good Good distribution there. All right. A few more here we'll sneak in from Paul. Uh, again, how does the Air Force and, and baseball combine? I know it was a very confusing situation when you first came out of the academy, and I know there's been some changes in those regulations. There's a young man, I think, just coming out of West Point who, who is the beneficiary of a lot of what you've gone through. Yeah, um, it's, it's been a very tough situation. Year to year kind of changes, but um, I've had some good people look after me, and now um, I'm sort of used as a recruiting tool for the Air Force and um, uh, public relations where I'll, you know, help some kids get to know what they need to to apply to academies and um, just be used as a uh, recruiting tool, essentially. All right, and a very good one at that. I think we can sneak in a few more. Let's uh, get terrific turkey here. Uh, where do you think you're going to fit into the bullpen this year? Uh, it's, it's going to looking like we have a really solid bullpen coming back. Um, but I, I would hope, and I'm working towards, you know, that role that I ended up last year where, you know, I was pitching anywhere from the, the, the sixth or seventh inning on in a close run ball game, tie ball game It's just high leverage situation, a lot of uh, adrenaline and pressure, but I think, uh, I handled the situations pretty well. Yeah, and the beautiful part of that was it just evolved for you. You just kept getting guys out, and then you'd be asked to do it in a different spot, and you just kept getting guys out, and that's kind of the, the way that bullpens work. They're, they're a living organism in terms yep. of the fluidity of that and the different things they will need from you. Final question here, Griffin, and then we'll turn you loose. Uh, again, it's from Ryan, and this is a great question via the YouTube channel. Uh, pitchers talking with each other in terms of improving, where you can take from a guy or learn from a guy, how much of that goes on, and do you have any examples? 
oh, it's it's a huge part of just our day to day talk. You know, I, last year when I was new to the bullpen, that was what I did for the essentially the entire year. I was leaning on those older guys, Tyler Duffy, Joe Smith, guys who had been in there for you know most of their careers, but just on how to handle day to day body work, what I needed to do to prep myself, that kind of thing. And then just also talking to certain guys about like pitches that they do really well. You know, I would talk to Sonny about his slider. I would talk to Arch about his slider, um, Emilio about his fastball. So you just pick up these tips and tricks every single day to help craft because that's, you know, pitching is essentially an art. And if we're not constantly getting better and learning from everybody else, you know, we're going to fizzle out. That is incredibly well said and a great spot to end. And Griffin, forget fizzling out. You get to start. You get to light the fuse. So enjoy that first workout here today. We'll see you down there in about a week uh, and look forward to another great year. And also, again, public congratulations to you and Savannah. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. That's Griffin Jacks. It's day one for pitchers and catchers at the Lee County Sports Complex. And Griffin Jacks, a huge part of what the Twins hoping to accomplish here this year. I want to thank everybody for joining us all across of our uh, Twins social media platforms for our live program, as well as all across our wonderful network of radio affiliates. The show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made. We have one more go around next Wednesday, and then it's time for games as the Twins will be getting going in Lee County with their Grapefruit League schedule. That'll do it for us. On behalf of Griffin Jacks, Chris Atterbury saying so long on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.